Hey everyone, I'm Erica. And I'm Rachel. And this is Story Crime. Yay. <laughs> How are you today? I am doing well. It's been a busy week, but I am adjusting adjusting (laughs) after merch break, getting back at it. Uh, How's your how's your week been? It's been pretty good. I miss you being here. It's lonely without you. I miss you too. (laughs) If only stupid work. Am I right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Wait and work and live on a beach somewhere, please. Yes, exactly. Guess what I did today? What'd you do? I went to an escape room oh a real live escape room how was that did you get out it was really really fun and yes we got out Uh, I mean obviously you're sitting here talking to me (laughs) no but we like beat it we had like maybe two minutes left on the clock and it was it was a super Mario themed escape room oh that's wicked it was friggin awesome you even got to go through like pipes and stuff it was so cool yeah um do you know the best super mario dad joke i don't tell me what uh are super what are mario's overalls made out of don't know denim 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 (laughs) i love it so much oh god that's amazing i'll have to tell the boys in my class that tomorrow (laughs) Uh, no, I went with my mom and dad, and like my poor dad tried to get through the pipes, but he oh. did it. He did it. <laughs> oh, yay! He made it. Oh, good job, dad. But uh, yeah, me, uh, me and Rob and my parents, and it was so much fun. So if you, when you come to visit me next time, we'll have to go because yeah, the other rooms at this place just looked amazing. So well, I've never done an escape room. Yeah, it's awesome. Maybe next time I come and see you, we can go and do one. Yeah, for sure. That'd be awesome. I know there's a lot around by you that are really good. So Perfect. It's a date. Anyways, other than that, I've been kind of sorting through some cases that I want to do and uh, just looking for, you know, ones that haven't been like done by a lot of different podcasters. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever have any suggestions. Throw them my um- Actually, have you heard of The Trick on Netflix? No. So if you want to watch any true crime, go to the search and type in 9875. And all true crime comes up. 9875? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to try it. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. So Everyone should know this. (laughs) That is a great tip. Okay, so today's case is going to be a, a long one, and um, we're going to go to England today. Oh, so we're crossing the pond. We are, and it's a more recent case, So, and a lot of people might know this case. It's a pretty well-known case, especially in the UK, but definitely I know a lot of creators have covered this, but it was just the book that I read about this case was just... So it was such a touching book. It was written by the victim's father. And I don't know, like, it was just like, there was something about it where I said, I have to cover this and I have to cover it right now. So that's what I did. Okay. Uh, well, I can't wait. 
So today we are talking about the case of Becky Watts, and she was born on June 3rd, 1998 in Bristol, United Kingdom, and she was only 16 years old when she was sadly murdered and taken far too soon from our world. Now, to understand this story, we have to go way back in Becky's life, actually, even before she was born, and really find out about her roots. So this is a story that really involves family, and... um yeah, it's a, a very family-oriented story. So to understand really the all the workings in this, it's important to know like where Becky came from and who all the players involved in this. So the book I used for this is called The Evil Within, and it's actually written by Becky's father, Darren Galsworthy. Oh, wow. So we are actually going to start by talking a little bit about him. So this story really is mostly from Darren's perspective and kind of everything that he went through during this as well as background on his daughter and and the rest of his family um so yeah so becky was born to parents tanya and darren tanya watts and darren galsworthy darren was born and raised in bristol and his family was very lower class but he and his four siblings did their best to have fun and live pretty happy lives when they were kids when he was 18 he moved out of his family's home and married his high school sweetheart and worked hard to support himself and his wife. He would take a lot of odd jobs like babysitting. And it was at one of these babysitting gigs that he had that he spotted this woman. And she was the regular babysitter um, for the family that he was babysitting for. And when Darren laid eyes on her, he felt a jolt of electricity oh through his entire body. Oh my god. At, when he's a teenager? He, while well, was a little, I think he was a little older in his early 20s at this time, but um, yeah, because he was 18 when he married his high school sweetheart, and they had been together for a few years, and then he um, was going to this babysitting gig, and that's when he laid eyes on this woman, and he- Oh, his high school sweetheart and the electric shock woman- Are is... two different people. Okay. Yes. Okay. I thought you were describing the love of his- um, high school sweetheart, but this is juicy. Yeah, so this is not his high school sweetheart. This is not his wife. But he knew when he saw this woman that he was absolutely meant to be with her. He described it in, in the book as being the most powerful sensation he had ever felt. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the woman introduced herself as Angie, and it was all Darren could do to find the words to introduce himself back to her. She, like, just rendered him absolutely speechless. I love that for yeah. him. Not for his wife so much, but I do love that for him. Yes. Well, unfortunately, Darren was still married at this time. And by the time his marriage had ended, which that marriage only lasted about three years, just they were so young when they got married that it just, he kind of says it was sort of destined to sort of fall apart. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, at the time that he met Angie, he was still married and Angie was in a serious relationship with someone else. So just yeah. wasn't meant to be at the time. But don't worry, she comes back. It's wonderful. Okay, good. So with Darren's uh, marriage now over, he was starting to focus on his career as a sheet metal engineer, and that left him very little time for dating. But when he was 29, he met a woman named Tanya Watts at a local pub while they were both out for drinks with friends. He bought her some drinks, and the two got talking. Mm -hmm. And within no time at all, it was like suddenly they were in a relationship and planning to move in together. Just like that. Wow. That's so, another you know, instant romance. <laughs> yes. So 
Darren and Tanya were never married. Uh, Darren said that that was because they had a lot of problems in their relationship right from the start. Um, But whatever problems they might have had, they were still both excited to welcome their first child, Daniel, into the world on February 19th, 1995. When Darren saw his baby boy for the first time, he knew right then and there that his mission in life was to provide this child with all the opportunities and experiences in life that he just didn't get when he was growing up. Nice of him. Yeah. Darren's a great dad. Like, amazing dad. Yeah. Uh, And that was my next line. Darren was a great father. (laughs) Uh, But his long hours at work meant less time spent with his family and his relationship with Tanya, Danny's mother, was really starting to suffer because of this. The two would fight about anything and everything, and sometimes these fights would last all night long. And with Darren's long work hours and Tanya caring for a new infant, the couple were exhausted and living together was just an absolute nightmare. There were times that the fights would escalate to Tanya kicking Darren out of the house and he would like sleep in his car for the night and then like go and like knock on the door the next morning and be like, like, are we good? Can I come home? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So when Danny was two years old, Darren had finally had enough of all the fighting and decided it was time to call it quits with Tanya for good. He ended up moving into an apartment with one of his friends and life started to improve for Darren. That being said, he really missed Danny, and he ended up working out a schedule with Tanya where Danny would stay with him every weekend. So on one of these weekends that Danny was over visiting Darren, Darren got a knock on the door, and he got when he got up to answer it, it was Tanya. And Danny oh, no. thought, Darren, yeah, Darren thought, oh no, here we go. She's here for another argument. Mm. Um, but this time she wasn't. He answered the door, and she was in a great mood, and she had just come over for a visit. So he offered her some drinks, and one thing led to another, and they ended up sleeping together. Oh, okay. It was one of those visits. Yeah. So Darren said he regretted the whole thing right after it happened. Of course, like, this is... Yeah. They've just recently separated, right? Like, bad idea. Yeah. Um, But he would not be able to forget about it for long, because a few months later, he got a phone call from one of Tanya's friends, and she told him that Tanya was pregnant, and it was his... Yeah, it was his baby. Oh, no. One of those visits. Yes. So Darren was pretty dumbstruck, and he did not believe that this baby was his, of course. Mm. It was like it was one time, okay? Like, it's not like it was an everyday thing. I pulled Yeah. (laughs) But Tanya insisted, this is your baby. Like, this is your baby. I wouldn't lie to you. Mm Mm-hmm. So that brings us to June 3rd, 1998, when Tanya welcomed her second baby into this world. Mm-hmm. It was a little girl that she called Rebecca or Becky. And Darren, who still was not entirely sure if the baby was even his, thought that the right thing to do was at least bring Danny to the hospital to meet his new little sister. Well, that's nice of him. Yeah. So when Darren saw Becky for the first time, he said that in the book that he tried not to fall in love with her, but he couldn't help it Mm -hmm. she was just so precious and adorable and he knew that even if he wasn't the biological father he already had an immense love for this baby yeah so after tanya took becky home from the hospital darren continued on with his routine visits with danny on weekends and finally on one of these pickups for his weekend visit Tanya told Darren, like, this is enough. You're not going to take Danny anymore unless you're going to take Becky, too. Like, they're both your kids. 
They both deserve to spend time with you. Because he wasn't taking Becky because he just didn't, he didn't want that bond bond to form and then find out later that he was, you know, it was another man's child. Mm -hmm. Right? Also, she's a newborn. So there's a little bit of wiggle room there as well. Yeah. So, um, so he took her because he knew that if he didn't, like that was like, you know, the one thing that he, she could hold over Darren was like, you're not going to get to see Danny. So he ended up taking Becky because he really, you know, um, that's a great guy. He's a great guy. And like, um, that time with his son was precious and ended up that time with his daughter was precious too. So it was during this weekend that he really started to take a good look at Becky, um, and just really, you know, observe her as this little infant that he's now caring for. Mm -hmm. And, he just knew, like, he just looked at her and he just knew, like, this is my baby. Even Aww. if it's not my baby, this is my baby. Aww. And, yeah, he fell more and more in love with her at every visit. And he started to see her look more like him every day. Oh, good. Yeah. Yay. Becky had stolen this man's heart completely at this point. So, Daddy's girl. Yeah. On one of his weekends with his kids, he had taken a now three-year-old Danny and six-month-old Becky out for a walk, and during the walk, fate would cross Darren's path one more time. As no. they were walking, they bumped into Angie. No way. Yeah. So she was the one that got away in Darren's mind, and it had been 10 years since he had first laid eyes on her. And she, hold on, and they met in the park? They were just walking. He was out for a walk, and they just happened to bump into each other out for a walk. Yeah. That That's a movie. That's yes. a... It's, what? Okay. Their, their love is a movie. That. Yeah. So it had been 10 years since he first laid eyes on her, but that surge of electricity he had felt before just came rushing back. Like he was oh. just, again, a lo- at a loss for words. He couldn't speak. I really love this man. Yeah. The two had some idle chit-chat, briefly catching up on where their lives had taken them. And she asked Aaron, like, you know, are you and Tanya together? Because she had known that they had gotten together at one point. Um, and he said, no, of course, we're not. Um, and she told him that she did have a son of her own now who was named Nathan and was around 12 years old. Um, and that she was in a relationship, but things were sort of on the out. So mm-hmm. after their quick chat, they parted ways, but promised each other that they would get together uh, to catch up properly sometime. Mm-hmm. And a few months later, that would happen when they, when the two of them ran into each other again at a pub. No so, way. Hold yeah. on. They just ran into each other again. Oh, I got there. Hold on. So Darren would go to this pub often. He was a bit of a regular and he'd go there after work to have drinks. And Angie came in and she was looking upset. She was with a friend of hers, uh, but told Darren that she had come there because she was hoping to see him. So she had confided in Darren that things were really bad with her boyfriend and she just didn't know how to end the relationship. And Darren comforted Angie and she went back to his place for some drinks and he was like, even though he felt so upset for Angie because she was so sad about this relationship, he was like secretly jumping for joy that, you know, like this could be his chance. Yeah. Um, within a few weeks, Angie did call off that relationship. And finally, after 10 years, oh, probably over 10 years at this point of waiting, Darren and Angie started dating. So, yay. I love that. I know. They're so cute. I love them. It, yeah. Like it just sounds so Disney. Yes. It's... Well, not Disney, like rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Darren was on cloud nine and he like could not believe how lucky he was to have this amazing woman in his life. One night while the two were just sitting around watching TV, Angie turned to Darren and she said, we were always meant to be together, you know, 
I always knew it would be me and you. So this whole time, since the very first time Darren had laid eyes on her, she felt the same way too. Stop it. I can't. It's like the most beautiful thing. That's like, like (laughs) poetry. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I just, just wait because there, this, this story does have a really horrible end to it. As you probably know, if you're listening to this podcast yeah some really bad things happen in this story but angie and darren are not one of them it is like a very nice shining light in this story to kind of give you hope Mm. so um so yeah so angie was described as being just the most wonderful caring compassionate and kind person you could ever have in your life of course i mean of course she is because yeah. she's darren's soulmate and he is also those things like yeah. what what kind of bullshit is this erica <laughs> and i like i said before she had a like i said before she did have a son nathan who was 12 years old at the time uh when angie and darren finally got together because of how troubled Angie's relationship was with her ex, Nathan was actually living at his nan's house. And when Angie and Darren started their relationship, they decided that it was best for Nathan to continue living there so that they wouldn't disrupt his schooling and he could okay. still have all his friends and it was just his routine. Yeah, good call. And he lived with his mother on the weekends. So she did see. That being said, though, even though he was at his nan's Monday to Friday, Angie would wa- wake up every morning to get up, walk him to school. Like, go walk to her mom's house, walk Nathan to school, walk back home or go to work, and then go back at the end of the school day to Nathan's school, walk him back to Nan's, and then back to wherever she was. And she didn't have a car, and she couldn't afford bus fare, so she would walk over 20 miles every day, just in the name of being a great mom. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So, yeah. We need more Angie's. We need more Angie's. And Darren's. And Darren's. Angie's on my list now with... um, with uh, Allison Botha. Yeah. Just somebody like, I wish I knew. Ugh. So Nathan had never known his biological father. So when it came time for Darren and Nathan to meet, it was really, really important to Darren that he made a good impression on the, on the, the kid. So he wanted Nathan to look at him as a father figure one day. And because he kind of figured that like him and Angie were in this for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And after their first meeting, it was clear to Darren that Nathan was fiercely protective of his mother because it always had been him and Angie, right? Right. Um, It took some time, but eventually Darren and Nathan really started to hit things off. And the next job was to have Angie meet Darren's kids. Mm -hmm. uh, The second that uh, Becky and Daniel laid eyes on Angie, they loved her. How could you not? Yeah, I know. They were excited for her to become their new stepmother. Like they just adored her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess this was just the effect that Angie had on everyone that met her. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone that graced her presence is just blessed to know her. Yeah. Uh, So Nathan and Daniel really hit it off. Um, So even like with that eight-year age gap, the two were really fast friends, sharing a common interest in video games. And Nathan really enjoyed teaching his new younger stepbrother how to play his games. And they had loads of fun doing all those things that you would expect stepbrothers or brothers to do. Mm-hmm. Becky was a bit of a different story. She was pretty young. She was only about two at the time, and she just couldn't play with the boys. Like, it just wasn't. So she spent yeah. most of her time with Darren and Angie, and she was really attached to Angie. Like, people would say that 
you would always just see Angie and she would have just like this, you know, kid around with her arm around her neck. It was always Becky and Angie together. So Mm -hmm. Becky was described as being a really demanding kid. Uh, Darren said that she would scream at the top of her lungs for hours on end for no reason at all. Mm. Sounds not pleasant. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) After being checked out by a doctor for this, it was discovered that this was just Becky's way of being heard. And she just reminding everyone, hey, it's me. I'm (laughs) Becky. I'm here. (laughs) I'm over here in case you were wondering. Um, So Angie and Becky, like I said, had developed a really strong bond, something that seemed to Darren would make, it kind of looked to Darren that it would make Nathan a little jealous. Mm -hmm. Um, So Darren would often plan like day trips with just Danny and Becky so that Nathan would have time when it was just him and his mom, they could spend that quality time together. Mm -hmm. Um, But Angie really loved Darren's kids and insisted that, that, you know, like we're a family now and she wanted everyone to be together. And it Beautiful. was, yeah, it was around the same time that Angie and Darren decided it was finally time to move in together and officially blend those two families. Love it. So, yeah. So Darren had also decided that he needed to make things official with Becky at this point, too. Because if you remember, he was never sure if she he was the father. Oh, so, no. Yeah. Now he's doing a test? Yeah. So when he was two years old, Darren got a DNA test to prove once and for all that Becky was his and finally had his name added to her birth certificate as her biological father. So, yes. Yay. You are the father, Darren. <laughs> More would be so proud. Yes. Even though Angie and Darren were now living together, their children were still living separately from them during the week. So Danny and Becky were at their mother Tanya's house. Mm-hmm. Nathan was still living with his grandmother. So every weekend, Angie would pick up Nathan, and Darren would pick up his two kids, and the family would always have some kind of crazy trip or excursion planned, just to make the most of the time that they had together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Becky, who is now, you know, almost three, a proper toddler, was still having those wild tantrums, those screaming fits I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. And in the book, Darren recalls a time where they had taken a trip to a Birds of Prey show at the local zoo, so you can imagine that's a pretty loud show with birds and... Squawking. Squawking, yep. So Becky got into a screaming fit that was so loud that they were actually asked to, like, leave the bird show. She was scaring the birds. I love her. Imagine how loud that would have been. To scare the birds. Becky. I love it. Uh, So eventually, feeling like he just didn't know what to do anymore, Darren sat Becky down on the sidewalk during one of her uh, screaming fits and just started screaming the same way she was. (laughs) Just get it out, girl. (laughs) Just the two of them. in this with you. Yeah, just the two of them sitting on the street screaming. And they probably looked like crazy people, but eventually Becky did calm down and just started laughing at her father, who Mm. would then also start laughing at his now happy little baby. I love that. Yeah. And this is, like, going forward, this is how Darren would describe a lot of their fights, even when she got to be a teenager, that they would have, like, a get into an argument about something, and then one of them would crack a joke about the other one, and then they would start laughing, and then, boom, they would discuss whatever it was, settle whatever problem they were having, and move on. So, Yeah. yeah. Over the next little while, Darren and Angie started to notice some strange things about uh, Darren's kids when they would pick them up from their mother's house though so they always seemed like anxious and jumpy when they would get picked up and their clothes were often like just dirty and ripped oh, no. so Darren tried to talk to Tanya about his concerns with the children but 
communication between the two was almost like non-existent. It just wasn't happening. And um, this, and it got even worse once Angie and Nathan um, had moved in with, with Darren. So she would just shrug off all of his concerns that he had. There was actually like one time where um, he was like him and Angie were picking up the kids and Becky came to the car without any shoes on at all. And when Darren went into Tanya's house to try and find her a pair, there was no shoes that were, oh. in, you know, decent enough to be worn for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, trying to talk to Tanya about this only caused another heated argument with Tanya even threatening to call the police on Darren to remove him from the property. Oh, wow. And to make things even worse, when the kids would say goodbye on Sunday nights, it was just, like, tragic for everyone involved. They would cling to Darren and almost like they were never going to see him again, which just, like, it just broke him and Angie's heart, so. Sounds like a children's aid call to me. Mm -hmm. In September of 2001, a man from social services arrived at the home Angie and Darren. My psychic powers are overwhelming me right now. Yeah. I know. I didn't want to say anything, but you're sort of (laughs) stealing my thunder here. (laughs) In September of 2001, a man from social services arrived at Darren and Angie's house and told them that Becky and Danny had been removed from their mother's care. Mm. Darren and Angie felt like they had been hit with, like, a truck. Yeah. They didn't know what was going on. It turns out that there had been some kind of complaint and the children weren't being properly cared for by Tanya and that they had been placed in foster care for the time being until things could be settled. Why foster care? Why not? Well, they had to do, because Darren wasn't the custodial parent, they had to still do like interviews and investigations. I don't really know how this works in Canada or like this is, I mean, this would be in like the early 2000s. So I'm not sure... I don't really know how it works. Like, I know you might have a little bit more experience, but I don't even think this is really your... No, it's not my field, but yeah. I would think that they would go to next, of, especially the next parent, uh, if deemed safe, you know, like... Yeah. There's no re- they visit every weekend. There's no reason they wouldn't go live there. Yeah. So they also, so when they were in care, they did continue those routine visits with Darren and Angie. So he would still get to pick them up from foster care, take them for the weekend and then bring them back. So that I'm is- not really sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they did start fighting to get the kids back. And that was like what they were living for was just getting Darren's kids out of foster care and back into his house full time. So Nathan, who is now 14, Again, had a good relationship with Danny, but he wasn't exactly thrilled with the idea of Becky moving into the home full time. Uh, But Angie and Darren kind of brushed this off as like a teenager, like being annoyed with his much younger step-sibling, and they really didn't think too much about it. For sure. Plus, they had like way bigger fish to fry at the time. They were dealing with a lot just Mm -hmm. with court visits and all of that stuff. So it would take about three months of court visits and social service interviews, but in January of 2002... Family court granted Darren an interim care order for the two children. And then in March of 2002, he and Angie were finally awarded full custody of Becky and Danny. So they they are now going to be with Angie and Darren full time from this point on. Good. Um, So shortly after being awarded full custody, uh, Darren, Angie, Becky and Danny would go to Angie's mother's house to pick up Nathan for his weekend visit. When Nathan started walking down the driveway to the car, Becky yelled out clear as day. Nathan. Aww. So, just another little piece of uh, history here with Becky or background for Becky is that she didn't speak until she was over three years old, and that was her first clear word. 
Oh my goodness. So here's this kid, Nathan, 14, so annoyed with her all the time. And her first word is Nathan. I hope that warmed his heart. I hope so too. (laughs) With the family now all living together under one roof, they, they were mostly happy times, like nothing crazy, unusual (laughs) or out of the ordinary. But of course, like there was a lot of growing pains because they're now this blended family. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the large age gap between Nathan and the other two children, there was bound to be disagreements from time to time. And I think that's the same even with, you know, any family with kids, yeah. not even if they're close in age. Yeah, 100%. Uh, um, so Nathan and Daniel always got along well from the start, but Nathan was still annoyed with young Becky and all of her like little kid behaviors. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, she's only four and he's 16, so that's to be expected, like I said. And um, my brother is so much younger than me and I know like when we were in high school and he would like want to <laughs> hang out when he's like in grade oh, one I remember those days yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't pleasant and Mom, get Sam out of the basement <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant so I love it I love him I always have but it wasn't great yeah <laughs> uh But Becky really adored Nathan, and she often would try anything to get him to like her. She just was, like, in his face all the time, which, you know, can probably even be more annoying than if she just left him alone. He probably would have liked that better. So, since the kids had moved in with Darren full-time, needless to say, his relationship with Tanya, the other kid's mother, only got worse. Uh, They would often get in fights over the phone, and Danny would sometimes, like, jump in and defend his mother, which he always did. He was always really protective of his mom. Um, and during one of these arguments, this is a cute story. Uh, where, so this is like during one of the phone arguments where Danny or sorry, Darren and Tanya were fighting over the phone. A little four-year-old Becky looked at Danny and said, my mom is better than your mom. And Danny looked back at her and said, like, you dummy, my mom is your mom. And she was like, what? What do you mean? She actually thought that Angie was her real mom and that Tanya Aww. was her, like, just some other lady. So just let's see. No, like, I think she knew Tanya was her mom on some level, but, like, she really, like, that bond with her and Angie was just so close. Yeah. So now, like, Becky, of course, was, like, just hysterical, crying. She couldn't believe, like, what do you mean Angie's not my mom? And mm-hmm. Angie took her upstairs and explained to her that, you know, you have a, a mom and you have an Angie and you're so lucky you've got these two wonderful moms. So... And this really helped to make Becky feel better. And that bond between Becky and Angie just continued to grow even larger. Aww. In 2003, when Becky was five, she started at Summerhill Primary School. Um, and when Becky was at home, she was really fearless and confident. But when she started school, she started to struggle with making friends. And she seemed to suffer from, like, crippling shyness. Mm. And her shyness would only get worse as she got older, turning into social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have one close friend in elementary school and her name was Hope and she was also close with a cousin who attended the same school as her and she was described as being fiercely loyal to her friends and hmm. this is just who Becky was so. nice now Nathan was now old enough to start babysitting his younger siblings and he enjoyed the pocket money and seemed to do a really good job something that Darren was proud of him for In fact, Darren was really proud of the fatherly relationship that he was able to form with Nathan over the years and proud of what Nathan had been able to accomplish since Darren had came into his life. That's so nice. Yeah, he really thought of Nathan as his own flesh and blood. Like, there was no... Yeah. So, 
Darren really enjoyed the time that he got to spend with Nathan one-on-one. He would teach him about computers, something, or sorry, Nathan would teach Darren about computers, something that Nathan was described as being brilliant with. Mm -hmm. And Darren would in turn give Nathan like fatherly advice when it came to like girls and friends and cars and all that kind of stuff. So over the years, they would spend time fixing cars and Darren would actually even teach Nathan how to drive. And when he turned 18, he took him for his first drink at a pub. Got him, wow. Got him right pissed. <laughs> right pissed up at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> a real bond had formed between him and Nathan. So when Nathan was around 14, Darren noticed that he was having a, a hard time making friends at school. So he enlisted him in the Army Cadet, something that Darren had also done when he was his age. Mm-hmm. This was really good for Nathan because it got him out in the community, doing some fundraising, and he also actually made a lot of friends in the process. So it was really good. He would spend three years in the cadets, and then he would join the reserves uh, for another two years. Good for him. Yeah. When he finished high school, Nathan, when he finished high school, he trained as an electrician at the city of Bristol College. And uh, because Darren had bought him a moped a few years earlier, Mm -hmm. he was able to also take on a job as a Domino's delivery driver. And he also had like another part-time job on the weekends too. So Darren was just so proud of all the qualities that he was able to instill uh, into Nathan, who he thought of, like I said, as his own son. He Ugh. he would often, like, describe Nathan as being his little mini-me. Oh, how adorable. I, like, bravo for now raising another man just like you, like a like a proper gentleman. Yeah, I and, mean, like... By not, all accounts. Yeah. And, like, the fact that Nathan's not even his son, like, it's... And just, there's... That was not even an issue. That, like, just got thrown away. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it was like, so what if we're not biologically related? You are my son. I'm raising you. This is, you know. Love so, that. good times and bad. Like, Darren is just, like, a real... He's a prince. <laughs> so, when Nathan was 18, he started seeing his very first real, like, actual girlfriend. The relationship only lasted a few months. And when it ended, he started to behave really weird. He would say that she owed him, like, a lot of money, and he would hang, just, like, hang around her house in his car, just, like, sitting there in his car. And it did. Stalking her? Kind of, kind of, but, like, he wouldn't get out of the car. He would just sit there. Mm. <laughs> because Creepy she, still. Creepy stuff. So, eventually, the girl's mother had to call the police because she he was starting to really scare the two of them, and Nathan's grandmother ended up going over there and having a conversation with the mother just to kind of clear the air and... You know, Nathan was, it was actually starting to worry Nathan's own family. So they just wanted to, you know, smooth things over. Absolutely. In the end, they figured that it was like just a phase. This was his first girlfriend. So they hoped that he would just grow out of it and, you know, he would move on. Move on and learn how to, yeah, sort of deal with his feelings that way. So Darren recalls that. You know, like, he did seem to grow out of this awkward stage around the opposite sex and also remembers a very troubling incident that happened when Nathan was 19. Uh-oh. So, Darren was doing some work on the car in the driveway when Nathan pulled up in his own car. He, in the car, had with him four young girls that were no older than 12 years old. No. Uh-uh. No, no. So, Darren was freaking mortified Mm-hmm. Um, he said, uh, he took one look at the car and he said to Nathan, I really don't know what you're up to, but it's not funny. So you need to get in the car, take them back to where you found them and take them back to their parents. I don't care. Just go like, get them away from here. 
<laughs> you need but, to bring them back home. Yeah. So Darren isn't really sure what happened with that, like what Nathan actually did with the girls after that. And Nathan refused to ever talk about the incident ever again. So Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Now, while Nathan was out being a creep, Becky was having her own struggles. So, like I said before, Becky was, like, just terribly shy from a young age. And as she got older, her shyness gave way, like, just really paved a a path to being bullied at school. Mm. And when Becky started middle school, her only friend, Hope, who I'd said before, she had actually switched to a different school. So, Becky was, like, all on her own starting grade seven. So, she became an instant target for these bullies, and they would tease her and bully her about literally anything and everything they could. Poor Becky. They would call her names and would mostly focus, like, on her weight, calling her fat, which she wasn't. Like, she was beautiful. And plus, she's 11. Like, even if you are, like, even if you have a little extra, you're 11. Right? So. And on one occasion, some, like, little fucking bitch at her school sorry is that appropriate to call a kid a bitch i don't know i mean if you're being a bitch you're being a bitch regardless of what age you are yeah and she stole the jacket right off of like becky had just gotten a new jacket and she like stole it right off of her back oh yeah that's a bitch are you kidding (laughs) so darren and angie would call the school about these kind of things but you know like the old story of just makes everything worse like the bullying would just continue and, and increase so Becky, needless to say, hated going to school, and eventually she just stopped going, and she would lie to her teachers saying that she had appointments, or she was sick, or there was a family emergency, Mm -hmm. like just any excuse she could think of just to get out of going. Her parents found out that she was doing this when the school called and actually threatened them with legal action if her attendance didn't improve. improve. Wow. So do they do that in Canada? I've never heard of that. Like truancy, like you have to, you have to be at school. Yeah. Um, so there is like attendance things, but I don't think legal action, like I wouldn't, you wouldn't go get arrested or like. Yeah. I, I think fine, because I like, know. like I work mainly in kindergarten. So it, in kindergarten, that definitely doesn't happen because kindergarten's mm-hmm. optional in, in Canada. But wait, um, kindergarten's optional? I didn't know that. Yeah. You don't have to start till grade one. So. Huh. Yeah. And here we are putting them two years. <laughs> yeah, but it's good for them because then they oh, get yeah. some structure in their life, right? So, um, but yeah, we definitely don't call the police if they don't show up. No. So sometimes we'll call home and just ask, like, is everything okay? But yeah, definitely don't call the police. But I don't know. I don't know what happens in the UK. So if anyone knows, let yeah. me know. Eventually, the school did work out a plan uh, for Becky where she would be in a special program in a place called the POD. And in this, like, pod program, she would be separated from all those bullies who would taunt her every single day. And she would be taught on a one-on-one basis. And Becky really seemed to adapt well to this kind of learning environment. It was really good for her. So Wow. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, But sadly, during this time, Becky also began an obsession with food and eating, sometimes skipping whole meals. Uh, Losing weight became her main goal, and she thought that if she just wasn't fat, like her bullies had called her, Mm -hmm. um, she would finally be happy. So, like I said before, she was 11. She was not overweight by any means, but, like, that, like, I don't know, I want to call it psychological damage just Mm -hmm. from, you know, being told that constantly by your peers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, 
Becky was eating so little that she would get dizzy and faint with even the slightest bit of exercise. Um, And it was clear that her obsession with weight loss had developed into a full-fledged eating disorder at this point. At the age of 11. 11, yeah. Oh, poor girl. Yeah. So Darren and Angie would try to be as supportive as they could for Becky. Um, Of course, trying to get her to eat, trying to Mm -hmm. do, you know, take care of her, make sure she was healthy. Um, But Nathan would be very resentful of the attention that his sister was getting from all what he called these like silly behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, he would taunt her by calling her fat and saying that she was faking an eating disorder. What a dick. Yeah. He is not the nice guy I thought he was. No. Nathan takes a real nosedive. So yeah. Um, and you can't fake an eating disorder, everyone. Just so you know, whether you're 11 or you're 41, you can't fake that. And I, right. I personally find somebody who says that offensive. So, mm-hmm. um, and also keep in mind that when Nathan is doing this to Becky and saying these things to her, he's 23 years old. He's 23 right now. I'm thinking he's 19. No. Wow. During would... this, during this time of Becky's life, he's 23 and she's like 11 or 12. That's what the fuck? Yeah. It's... Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, Nathan's a bit of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, my my psychic powers are tingling. <laughs> yeah. After, after many dinnertime arguments over Becky's refusal to eat, Darren and Angie would eventually take Becky to a doctor who would then refer them to a specialist at a place called the Riverside Adolescent Unit. And this was a facility that specialized in eating disorders and the mental health of young people. Mm-hmm. So at her assessment, Becky weighed in at just five stone, three pounds, or for people in Canada, 73 pounds. 73 pounds at 11? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's pretty small for an 11-year-old. I, yeah, I think that's like six? I, <laughs> yeah. my Well, my kindergartners, they weigh in like roughly, I'm going to say like 50 pounds. I occasionally have some that are bigger and I have some that are much smaller, but wow. say around 50 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So 73, like, she's not much bigger than a kindergartner at that point. That's wild. Yeah. She was also officially diagnosed with anorexia, and Mm -hmm. her treatment plan required Becky to attend counseling each week. At one of her sessions, um, and this was, like, a family session, it seems, uh, she confided in her therapist that she felt really safe at home. She said, I feel safe at home. That's where I feel most confident. But only when Angie and Dad are there. I don't feel safe on my own. Or with my older brother, Nathan. Mm-mm. So Darren was like, why don't you feel safe with Nathan? You know, like, Nathan would never hurt you. He loves you. He's your brother. And if he did try to hurt you, I'd, I'd protect you. He drives around with 12-year-olds. I mean, he's harmless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think that they're giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know? Yeah. For sure. So after a few weeks of Becky showing no signs of improvement in the outpatient treatment program that she was in... They, there was a decision that was made to admit Becky into an inpatient treatment program where she would live. Mm-hmm. So Becky, because of her social anxiety, was horrified by this. Mm-hmm. She did not want to go. She didn't want to leave her comfort zone of Angie and her father. And the thought just terrified her and was enough to convince her to start a slow but sure path to recovery. Eventually, Becky did start eating regularly again and started gaining some of the weight she had lost. By her, thir- yeah. By her 13th birthday, she was back to a healthy weight. 
She celebrated all that she had accomplished that year by cutting herself a huge piece of chocolate cake and eating the whole thing to herself. Yes, Becky. So she she made everyone proud. Now, this is why I really like Becky, because I feel like she, like, you can really relate to her. I think we all kind of know what it's like to be Becky, you know, growing up. Like, I think we've all been there. She's like your all-around average girl, right? So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. When Becky started ninth grade, she began tutoring younger students at her school. She would say that her experience with being bullied gave her the empathy that she needed that she could use to uh, help support her younger peers who might be going through the same things that she experienced. What a great girl. Yeah. Well, she's learning from the best, Darren and Angie. I mean, (laughs) you can't get better than Darren and Angie. No. She even won an award for mentoring and being a kind-hearted pupil. Oh, stop it. Yeah. But because of Be- the, the fact that Becky had missed so much school due to her eating disorder, she had fallen really behind her peers, and she ended up being placed in a special school for children um, who had serious, like, health issues and had fallen behind. Oh. Um, this would give her a chance to catch up on her learning and achieve more success than if she would have at a mainstream school. Wow. I've never even heard of schools like that. That's Neither amazing. have I. Neither have I. And I don't, like, I'm pretty sure, like, the UK and England, like, they have, like, really good health care. Yeah. Right? So I I would imagine that something like that would probably even be covered. Oh. Which would be lovely. Wouldn't I wish there was nice. something like that here. Yeah. So at age 14, Becky would start attending school at the Bristol Hospital Education Service. Um, Becky really liked her new school, and she would soon find herself in a really tight-knit group of friends. Love that. Um, the four of them, Becky and her friends Adam, Courtney, and Tila, would hang out together constantly. Eventually, she would even start dating a boy whose name was Luke. Mm. And Darren really liked Luke. Luke was a great guy. So as time went on, Becky started to really come out of her shell. And as she approached her 16th birthday, she was starting to think about her future, deciding she wanted to become an interior designer. Oh, yes, Becky. You can be whatever you want to be. So, throughout all of Becky's hardships over her early teen years, the family was also dealing with another health crisis with one of its members. In June of 2011, Angie woke up and realized that she couldn't see anything. What? Wait, what? She had gone, like, completely blind. Overnight. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Darren rushed her to the hospital to see what was going on, and the doctors were just as baffled as they were. They had no idea. Can can you imagine? Yeah. I know. And you can't see a damn thing. I cannot. That would be terrifying. But you went to bed seeing perfectly. Like yeah. I, oh my God, the mind fuckery that that would cause. I know. So she, yeah, she was healthy. Like her blood work came back normal. Her eyes were healthy. Nobody knew what was going on. And eventually, thankfully, her sight did start to return, but she was okay. still feeling exhausted all the time, just physically wiped. Like, she couldn't even go up the stairs, couldn't walk around the house. She didn't want to leave the house because her legs were giving up out on her all the time, and she just didn't feel safe <sighs> going out on her own. So, good things uh, happen. Bad things happen to good people. I know. It is. It's sad. Um, it would take nine months before they would get a diagnosis for Angie, and it ended up that she had multiple sclerosis. You know what? That's the first thing I thought of I, for some reason. That's yeah. scary. Mm -hmm. Um, This was, of course, devastating news for the family. Angie was so active and independent, and now she was going to have to rely on her whole family to help with most of her day-to-day tasks. Wow. And so just, you know, at this point, Danny had actually moved back in with his mother. 
Tanya. So it was mostly up to Darren and Becky to help out with Angie. And they did. They were great. Mm -hmm. Um, And Nathan would pop in from time to time to pitch in. But Nathan was a busy man himself because a few years before Angie's diagnosis, Nathan had informed the family that he had a new girlfriend. Oh. And he really wanted the family to meet her. So this was in 2008. So Angie was diagnosed in 2011. This is in 2008 um, that we're going back to. So kind of jumping around in time here, but hopefully keep everything straight. Mm -hmm. So he had the new girlfriend. He wanted the family to meet her. And they invited her over for dinner. And when Nathan showed up at Darren and Angie's house with this girl, Darren just went shit himself. Hold on. Can I guess? Go. Tanya. No, it's not Tanya. <laughs> Your psychic powers are starting to fade. Damn it. <laughs> so this girl, whose name was Shauna Hoare, was no more than 14 years old. Okay. So Pardon me? 2008. I think he was 21 at this time. Yeah. No, no, ma'am. That yeah. is a call to the police. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Darren thought so, too. Okay, he good. was like, no, no way turn around, take this girl home. And Nathan tried to reassure Darren. And he said that he was, she was actually 19. He's like, no, like she's, she looks young. She's actually 19. Don't worry about it. But Darren was not having any of that bullshit. He told Nathan that until he could produce her birth certificate that proved she was (laughs) of age, she was not allowed in his house. He said like, this is bordering on pedophilia. Like you need to take bordering. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. So, Time went by and Nathan never mentioned Shauna again until two years later in 2011 when he showed up at the house again, but this time with her birth certificate. Whoa. So, okay, hold on. I'll let you finish. (laughs) So it showed that Shauna was 16 and at this time Nathan was 25. But this also proved that Darren, who was very suspicious of this from the start two years earlier, was correct. And Shauna was 14 when they showed up that night for dinner. Wow. Yeah. So, Shauna was now legally the age of consent, so there was really nothing that Angie and Darren could do but just make the best of what was happening and accept Shauna into their family and... As another... Oh, my God. Yeah, so just another kind gesture. They just welcomed her in with open arms and... Yeah, but Darren, like, Darren will say, like, all throughout this book that he was always suspicious. Like, something was off about Shauna. So... It just something rubbed him the wrong way about her. About Shauna. Yeah. Oh. So Shauna Horror had had a really tough upbringing, spending a lot of her life. What? You saw that last name for me? Yeah. H-O-A-R-E. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's her actual real last name. Um, So she had spent a lot of her upbringing um, just kind of in and out of foster care. So she did have a a pretty tough childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when she was 13, she moved back in with her mother, but her home life was it just wasn't really a stable home life, mm-hmm. which is probably kind of how she ended up with Nathan to begin with at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So now that Shauna was welcomed into the Galsworthy family, uh, Becky, who was only a few years younger than Shauna, really started to look up to her and just wanted to be her friend. So Becky would go over and above to do nice things for Shauna, but she always just sort of brushed her off like, eh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So Becky was really into clothing at this point. She was probably about 14. And she was into clothing and fashion and Darren would give her a monthly allowance to buy clothes from her favorite online store, Boohoo, which is like pretty sure it's basically Shein. <laughs> I love 
Becky. I love Becky. <laughs> so sometimes to try to get into um, Shauna's good graces, Becky would give her items of clothes that she said she didn't like or they didn't fit her quite right. Mm-hmm. And Shauna would accept them, but she would kind of just take them and make it feel like sort of make Becky feel like she was doing her a favor by taking the clothes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Shauna was pretty polite to Darren and Angie, but Darren was just really put off by the way she treated Becky, of course, because mm-hmm. you could tell that there was, she was just not pleasant. Mm-hmm. She was very dismissive and rude to her, sort of the same way that Nathan was. So, like, I would speculate that Nathan was probably saying mm-hmm. a lot of nasty things about Becky, so Shauna just went along with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was one occasion where Becky had offered Shauna this, like, brand new jacket she had just gotten, and she said she didn't want it anymore, and then Shauna could have it. And Shauna agreed to take the jacket, but said something really rude to Becky afterwards, like, yeah, I guess I'll take it off your hands, and blah, blah, blah. And Darren had heard her, and kind of burst in the kitchen and was just like, nope, Becky, you take that jacket up, and you, if you're going to treat my daughter like that, then you can get the heck out of here. Wow. Good for Darren. Yeah. Well, don't mess with his baby, right? Mm -hmm. So soon the family would start to see a shift in Nathan and Shauna's relationship as well. Uh, Nathan seemed to be really snappy and impatient with his very young girlfriend, his child bride. Bride. (laughs) (laughs) So while Shauna seemed to be doing things purposely to piss Nathan off. So it was like a two-way street here. They were both doing I mean, she's 16. She's not quite the maturity level to not do that. Yeah. So Nathan also seemed to be becoming more possessive possessive of Shauna. Um, He wanted to be controlling of everything she was doing, like from how much she was eating to when she smoked cigarettes, what she was wearing, where she went, you know. Red flags, red flags, red flags. Um, They were rarely ever seen apart. So Nathan was unemployed at this point. And when he was 17, he was actually forced to leave that electrician apprenticeship that he had because he was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which caused him to be in constant pain and rendered him unable to work. So he says, Darren was uh, skeptical about this. Like the fibromyalgia was really wasn't skeptical about that, but just like his inability to work is what Darren was skeptical about. Um, He really thought that the more likely reason that Nathan wasn't going out and finding a job was because Wherever he went to work, Shauna couldn't just be there right with him, right? And he wanted to keep his eye on her at all times, so. Mm -hmm. Had to be controlling. Yeah. The track that Darren thought his stepson was on seemed to be, like, completely derailed. um, And he really thought that his relationship with Shauna was to blame. Oh, wow. I think they were just toxic together. It was just a bad Well, I mean... And, like, keep in mind, she's a teenager. Yeah. So she can't yeah. take too much blame on that. Yeah. No, she can't. I just mean, like, the whole, even regardless of that, like, I just think the two of them together as anything, despite the age difference, that's, like, a major thing. But I think oh, that they it's just, definitely toxic. Yeah. yeah. yeah 100%. Um, so Nathan's whole attitude toward the family was also starting to change, and a once mostly polite young man that Angie and Darren had raised had turned into a very rude, disrespectful little fucking troll. Mm. Um, Darren had even once heard his uh, Nathan call his mother, who he had once adored and protected at all costs, he called her a fucking idiot under his breath to Shauna, and like were giggling about it. Oh like, no, rude! Did not. Nobody calls. Angie a fucking idiot. Yeah. Not even her own son. Absolutely not. 
even I'm getting defensive of her. Like, yeah. I don't even know her. Like, I'll kick your ass, Nathan. Like, yeah. try me. <laughs> so soon Shauna would fall pregnant. And oh. the fam, yeah. So the family hoped that by the two, Nathan and Shauna, becoming preg- uh, parents, that they would start to grow up a little bit, maybe get some jobs, trying to make something of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie and Darren were supportive of the couple, and they were excited to be becoming grandparents for the first time. Um, Becky was also very excited to be an auntie to this new little addition to the family. Mm. But Nathan is a dick, and he was not having it. So he, his feelings towards Becky had only gotten worse over the years. And when the family was talking about how excited they were about the new baby, Nathan snapped across the room at Becky. You're not going anywhere near my baby. Wait, why? What in the hell is wrong with him? I have no idea. He fucking hates her. And I don't understand why. She seems so nice. And she plus she's a little laughing. kid. Like, like yeah. you know, like he's, we're going on. He's might That's be. type. Yeah, well, and he's getting close to 30 now, so he'd be about 27 at this time. Shauna's about 18. Becky's now about 15, right? Like, it's... Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Like, I don't don't get it, but... He's a dick. Yeah, he's just a prick. So, Darren was dumbfounded at that remark about the baby, and he thought, like, how in the actual fuck can you talk to your sister like that? Mm -hmm. Like, it was clear that this... Uh, boy that he had raised or man now was slipping farther and farther away and was only becoming just a shadow of the person that Darren thought he had raised. It's shocking me too, because I was like, no, you raised a gentleman and he is clearly an asshole. Yes. Like it seems entitled to some extent Mm -hmm. too. Right. Mm -hmm. So when Nathan and Shauna's baby was born, the city, it said the council had given the couple their own home. I'm assuming that's almost like the city or it's like, subsidized housing um so had given them their own home in a place called barton hell in bristol so darren had helped nathan set everything up giving him some of the essentials that they needed like a bed and you know couch different things like that and also around the same time darren decided that life is short and it was time for him to finally make things official with angie oh yeah so he he was gonna propose so he went down to the local church and asked when the earliest date was that he could marry his soulmate. Oh, get out of here. So the vicar told him that there was a cancellation at the end of the month. It just happened to be there's a cancellation. Yeah. Yep. And in just three short weeks, Darren, with the help of his daughter, Becky, had planned a whole wedding for him yeah. and Angie. Yeah. I'm just in awe of this man. Becky was ecstatic, and because of her interest in clothing and makeup, she was given the responsibility of picking out not only Angie's wedding dresses or wedding dress, but also all the bridesmaid dresses. Love it. Uh, everything went off went off without a hitch that day, with Becky and Shauna as Angie's bridesmaids, and Danny and Nathan as Darren's best men. It was just a beautiful day, like the of whole thing. I've seen pictures of it. it; looks like a wonderful day. And during the reception, they nothing but the best. Yeah. Honestly, like, come on. And this is a detail I included just because it's so friggin' adorable. Um, at the reception, Angie and Darren surprised all their guests by dressing up in full Shrek and Fiona costumes with like Get green, out of here. Green body paint and the whole shebang. Like, no, they it. did. <sighs> That's the best. I've ever heard. I know, I love it. They are literally soulmates. Like I just I know. You gotta find if you can't find someone who will dress up with Shrek with you at your own wedding. Then what are, Why you, are you even doing? Yeah. yeah. 
After the wedding, life settled back into a normal routine, but Andy's condition continued to get worse and she needed constant care. So Darren, who was now like the sole breadwinner for the family, um, so Shauna took on the job of caring for Angie. So Mm. it was a really good arrangement because Shauna could make some extra money and Angie could spend time with her granddaughter. So it was nice. Although Shauna did a shit job and barely did anything. So whatever. But... Nathan was still a jerk to Becky at every chance he got, um, and he was now known for jumping out and scaring Becky, like, jumping out and, like, screaming in her face and rattling her by the shoulders, like... And as a grown-ass man doing yeah, this? that actually, in my notes, says, keep in mind, this is a full grown-ass man wreaking <laughs> havoc on a 16-year-old girl for no other reason but for the fact that he found her annoying. Unreal. Yeah, because he'd be 28. He'd be 28 now. 28, she's 16. Like, fuck off, Nathan. You've got to be kidding me. Like, Like, I get, like, teasing. So, like, when I was in my 20s and my brother was in high school, I get teasing, but I wasn't, like, I wasn't going out of your way to make this kid miserable. Yeah, like, I wasn't like that because I'm an adult. Yeah. (laughs) Not a man-child. Yeah. So on February 17th, 2015, that would be the last time that Darren would see Becky. Mm. Ever. He had just gotten home from work, and Becky was hungry and asked him to make her some pizza, which he did. And Becky said goodnight and took her food upstairs to eat it and watch her favorite show, which was Jackass. So I remember. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a while since I heard about that show. (laughs) Later in the evening, Darren remembers that he could hear Becky's TV blaring away down the hall, and he popped in and saw her fast asleep in her bed. He walked over and turned off the TV and headed to bed himself. He said that if he had known that this would be the last time he would see his daughter, he would have crawled into bed and held her and told her that he loved her more than life itself. Stop it. I I hate that this happens to poor Darren. I mean, poor Becky, too, but Darren, you're just so perfect. I know. Darren was working long hours, and by the time Becky got out of bed the next morning, he was already long gone for work. Mm. Um, Becky did have plans that day. On the This is now the 18th of February, so she was going over to a friend's house to spend the night, and she would end up coming home at about 8.30 in the morning on the 19th, um, and she had to, like, knock on the door because her key was acting funny, so Angie let her in. And then a little bit later, Angie had a doctor's appointment, and about 11.15, she left with her mother. And said goodbye to Becky before she headed out, and Becky headed up to her room. That would be the last time Angie would see Becky. So, yeah. So, when Angie returned home at around 1245, Nathan and Shauna, along with their baby, were now over at the house waiting for Angie to get home. So, Angie asked where Becky was, and Nathan and Shauna said that they heard her music, like, heard her shut off her music and slam the door and leave earlier before Angie came home from the appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't unusual for Becky to, like, kind of go and hang out with friends, and she actually didn't come home that night, but they knew that she had been spending the night at her friend's house. That was normal as well, so it really didn't cause any alarm to anyone. Mm -hmm. Later in the day, Becky's boyfriend did stop over, and Shauna had answered the door, and she told him, like, you know, like, she's not home. She didn't know where she was, and Luke thought it was strange because they had had plans, but she wasn't answering any of his phone calls or texts. Mm -hmm. So... He thought something was strange, but he wasn't, nothing was, like, ringing alarm bells yet. Mm -hmm. So the next day on February 20th, while Darren was at work, he received a really alarming phone call from his wife. She told him not to panic, but all of Becky's friends were now at the house, including Luke, 
and no one had seen or heard of Becky since Thursday morning. Oh, no. Yeah. So Darren hung up the phone and quickly hurried home. When he arrived, he saw his living room packed with all of Becky's friends and her boyfriend. Uh, Nathan and Shauna were also there with the baby, and Angie was there, of course. So once everyone had figured out when the last time was that they had all seen Becky or heard from her, it was established that Becky would have had to have left the house sometime between 11.15 and 12.45 on the morning of February 19th. That was when Angie was at the doctor's appointment. So Angie knew that she had seen Becky before she left for the doctor's appointment. Okay. Um, This was, again, confirmed by Nathan and Shauna, who heard her upstairs in her room and then leave, slam the door behind her. Um, Darren tried to call Becky's phone like a hundred times, but got no answer. Um, so then Darren got one of Becky's girlfriends to go upstairs with him to her bedroom and kind of go through her stuff and see if anything was missing. If maybe she had uh, taken off and had brought stuff with her. Um, so her friend noticed right away that none of her makeup was gone. All of her makeup was still there and she would never go anywhere without her makeup. She She would have taken it. Yeah. She always did her hair and makeup. And that the only things that were missing from her room were her cell phone and her laptop, which mm-hmm. Darren knew, okay, the cell phone, sure, she'd probably have her cell phone on her. It's 2015, so we're, you know, in the smartphone era. Yeah. Kids carry that on them. But she never brought her laptop anywhere. So it was really strange that all of her makeup was there, but her laptop was gone. Uh-oh. Yeah. So figuring that Becky had probably been missing for well over 24 hours at this point, they thought it was time to call the police. Um, so as they waited for police to arrive at the house, Darren asked Nathan to help him post a message to Facebook asking for the public's assistance in locating his daughter. Nathan agreed to help and helped him find a picture and get out get the message up. And the post said, please share. Missing 16-year-old girl. Please private message if you have seen her or know anything. Okay. So that was the first Facebook message. Um, when the police finally arrived, the police told them everything they knew, and Shauna said that she remembered hearing her music being turned off and the front door slamming, but she never actually saw Becky, and Nathan said the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they asked all the usual questions, like, you know, did she have a fight with anyone before she disappeared? What was her frame of mind? Did she have any friends she may have taken off with? Has she met anyone new? The usual stuff. The family told the police that there was nothing unusual about Becky leading up to the 19th of February, and they couldn't imagine her taking off on her own because of her, like, crippling social anxiety that she was struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like, this was a girl that couldn't even ask for a bus ticket. She was so shy, right? Mm -hmm. So the family wanted the police to get out and organize a search, and of course, like, we hear all the time, they, you know... (sighs) Police see kids disappear all the time. They always come home. Or not always, but for the most part, they return home. They've just, like, gone away somewhere for a little while and then always come back. So it was treated initially as a runaway. But the police do jump into action and are really good in this case. So I don't want to judge them too much. Okay, good. So, yeah. So soon word of Becky's disappearance did start to spread across Bristol. And Darren's Facebook post was being shared far and wide. Uh, Darren and Angie couldn't sleep or eat. All they could think about was like, where is Becky? You know, like Darren was leaving voicemail after voicemail on Becky's phone, each one becoming more frantic than the last. Mm -hmm. And like, there's one voice message where like, like he goes full Liam Neeson and I love it. (laughs) Do you want to hear? It says, if you have my daughter, let her go or I will kill you. Let my, let my daughter go. I want my girl back in one piece. I will kill anyone who hurt. I will kill anyone who hurts my daughter. I promise you. I will get to you, and when I do, you're dead. Oh my! I was goodness. like, 
okay, Liam Neeson, like, you get this job done. <laughs> I love it. So this is a dad that's, like, he's clearly yeah. desperate, but he's, like, willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. So on the 21st of February, two days after Becky went missing, two police officers named Detective Constable Russ Jones and Major Crimes Investigator Officer Joe Marks showed up at the Galsworthy home. Mm -hmm. These would be the assigned family, family liaison officers working on the case. Mm -hmm. They would be the ones providing information to the family about what was going on in the investigation and, you know, like searches, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. They let the family know that some officers would be coming to perform a search of the house and collect DNA samples just to aid in the search of Becky in case they found evidence they could compare it. Yeah, sure. Um, and Darren said, sure, come on in. Like, take whatever you need. Yeah. Um, and the Avon Somerset police had also planned to start holding, they had also planned to start holding search parties over the next few days as well. Mm -hmm. Um. So news of the missing girl continued to spread and local newspapers and television stations had picked up the story. Uh, the hashtag, um, hashtag find Becky was being shared with social media posts and that wow. became a real big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, all of Darren's siblings. So remember he had the four siblings plus that he also had like, um, a bunch of step siblings as well, their wives and husbands, they all showed up, um, and they were trying to help any way they could because Darren at this point was just feeling helpless. He would go to Facebook and make desperate pleas in hopes to find that, you know, if Becky was out there, that she would see them and come home. Wow. Uh, the police also wanted Darren to uh, do a press conference. And he agreed to do it. And he went on air with uh, Darren and Becky's uh, maternal grandmother, so Tanya's mother, Pat. Mm -hmm. And he tried to stay strong. But really early on in his message to Becky during the press conference, he just couldn't hold it together. So Pat did take over. Mm -hmm. um, and it was the same, almost like when Elise Paler's grandma... Like, sent out that plea that, you know, the same kind of thing. Like, you can stay with me. Like, if something's happened, like, you know, nobody's in trouble. You won't get me in trouble. You can come and, and we can figure it out. So, the day after the press conference, local searches were underway. They searched parks, ponds, and combed all the local woods. Um, they went to places that D Becky would be familiar with. Places where her and Darren would go on weekends and, and that kind of stuff. They spoke to residents and searched through neighbors' gardens, but there was no sign of Becky. So usually in a missing person case, some sort of clues would start turning up or something to help point police in a, any direction. But in Becky's case, what was really concerning to police was that there was absolutely nothing. There were no tips, no sightings, no CCTV footage, nothing after the time that she had left the house in that morning or they suspected she had left. Wow. Yeah. And like the UK is riddled with those CCTV. Um... Oh, I know cameras so cctv thing yeah so, so nothing shocking yeah the police decided that they needed to do a more thorough search of the family home so darren and angie were told that they did need to leave the house while well, they brought in forensic teams and this really pissed darren off just a bit mm -hmm. because he in his mind he was thinking like instead of focusing on the family like just go out and find becky like, yeah. don't come in my house, go out and find my daughter. Yeah. But in the end, like, he knew they were doing their jobs. They were just trying to be thorough. So he and Angie did go to stay um, in a hotel until the searches were complete. Mm -hmm. There were searches going on at the time that have been, like, other searches um, out in the public, like, search parties, that had been arranged by Darren's brother. And those were, had uh, continued while Darren and Angie were at the bed and breakfast. Family and friends and community members all joined in, but notably absent at all of these searches were Nathan and Shauna 
Of course. course. Um, in fact, they hadn't been doing really anything to help, except for maybe post, like, that Facebook post. One post. Yeah. Um, but at the time, of course, like, this isn't ringing any bowels because the family figured that they were caring for their baby. Like, they may, may have just had to been home with their daughter, right? So... Mm-hmm. On February 27th, the police asked Darren and Angie to come down to the station for further questioning, with most of their questions really focusing in on Nathan and Shauna. Mm-hmm. So again, well, but again, this was pissing Darren off, right? Because he thought, like, why? Like, he said figures, like, they're just going to try to pin it on someone in the family because they can't come yeah. up with any evidence, right? Yeah. The next day, Angie and Darren were informed that Nathan and Shauna were now being questioned. Um in the station at the the next day and three days after that everyone's world came crashing down oh no so on tuesday march 3rd angie received a phone call from the family liaison officer mm-hmm. darren watched his wife as the color drained from her face and her eyes filled with tears no poor oh gosh after she hung up she said to her husband they've arrested shauna and nathan no darren was in disbelief like, they must have gotten something wrong. Why would Nathan and Shauna ever do anything to her and Becky? Mm. Like, this well, I mean, right. except for, you know, the pure hatred that they have towards her, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> when the officers arrived at the hotel room, so the liaison officers working with the family, they started to tell Darren and Angie the details of why Nathan and Shauna were arrested. Um, so they started off by telling them that the investigation had been elevated from a missing person to a homicide investigation shit so they let them know that they had discovered body parts in a shed near barton hell and it was confirmed through dna that they belonged to becky so there was no question it was becky poor becky the man who owned the shed where becky's body parts were found was a man named carl demetrius and this was someone that was like an acquaintance of nathan oh shit when the police were doing the forensic search of the galsworthy home there was like microscopic blood like it looked like it had been cleaned up you wouldn't be able to see it with the naked eye but it was there it was on and it was becky's blood and it was found on the door frame of her bedroom and in the blood was one of nathan's fingerprints oh and they and they could tell it was in the blood it wasn't under the blood it wasn't you know something that could have been yeah so when they arrested nathan he confessed to killing becky and oh. told police where they could find her body parts. That's fucked up. But, you know, I saw that coming. Yeah. So Nathan, <laughs> Nathan was charged with Becky's murder and Shauna was subsequently arrested for perverting the course of justice. In an instant, any feeling of love that Darren once had for Nathan just disappeared. It just went Vanished. straight down the toilet. Yeah. yeah. All he felt for him now was hatred and contempt. And he, mm-hmm. like, he absolutely wanted to murder him himself. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Fucking yeah. Nathan. Everything started to come into perspective for Darren at this point. The reason there had been no sightings of Becky was because she never even left the house. Alive, that is. Oh. So while Angie was at the doctor's appointment, that, at her doctor's appointment that day, Nathan had killed Becky. That's why he and Shauna hadn't helped with the searches. She, they like, knew. We know where she is. We know where she is. They knew they weren't going to find They couldn't her. even put on a front? Like, no. They didn't care. Wow. He also realized that on the day that Becky went missing, her body was likely in the trunk of Nathan's car that both he and Angie had walked by on the way to their house that night. 
Oh, no. <laughs> because Nathan and Shauna had actually stayed that whole day and had dinner with the family. Oh, you're kidding me. They yeah. killed Becky and then ate dinner with the family? Yeah. Like, nothing happened. I hate them. I hate well, them I shouldn't so say much. they did it. I, I can't say they did it. Nathan killed Becky. Wow. I can't say they did it. So I still hate them both. After the news about Nathan and Shauna, Darren could barely speak to Angie. He said in the book, he's quoted as saying, what do you say to comfort the woman you love when your son, when her son has just killed your daughter? Wow. And one night Angie actually asked her husband, are we okay? You and I, are you going to leave me because of him? Wow. Darren looked at his wife and told her, of course not. I would never blame you for what he's done. I love you. You're my soulmate and I'm not going anywhere. I can't be without you, you silly thing. Fuck you, Darren. Even when he's suffering a tragic loss, he's still the best man ever. Yeah. Now, Darren would often vent to Angie about his feelings about Nathan. And he would call him a monster. He'd say he wanted to murder him. That He's the worst. Like, how could you give birth to a monster? You realize this is, yeah, like... And then he would apologize. He would instantly be filled with regret for saying those things. But like grief. Yeah. Grief and just like the turmoil, the emotions all going through. There's so many things I'm sure going well, on in Darren's mind. And Angie's mind too. She's like, I birthed this monster. Like, yeah. you know. Oh. And Angie would say that she still loved Danny or Danny. She still loved Nathan and loved that the loved the child that he was loved the mm. son she gave birth to whoever did this to becky was not her son he changed yeah leader darren and angie would go to see becky at the morgue and were informed of all of her injuries mm. becky's cause of death was strangulation she was then stabbed multiple times before being dismembered in eight separate pieces oh god he fucking like Darren said when he saw his baby girl lying on the table, he could see bandages wrapped around her neck and wrists and realized that they had had to put his daughter together like a jigsaw puzzle. No, I don't like that. Her knuckles were bruised and that, to Darren, indicated that his little girl hadn't gone down without a fight. Oh, which he was proud of. Um, So Becky's funeral was held in April in the same church that Darren and Angie had gotten married in. Darren's sister made all of the arrangements and it was a beautiful ceremony fit for a princess and like all of Bristol came. She was known as Bristol's angel by the end of all this. So, and it still is known as Bristol's angel. And I'm going to show you pictures of the funeral and like they had like a horse and carriage bring her in and it was like a glass carriage. So it's almost like Snow White. Like it just, it was so beautiful. We're back to the Disney. Yeah. I know. Beautiful. Wow. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, Nathan's confession here. Mm-hmm. When the police had found Nathan's fingerprint in Becky's blood at the Galsworthy home, they immediately arrested both him and Shauna. Mm-hmm. Then they executed a search on the couple's Barton Hill home. Now, their place was so full of clutter that officers had trouble even moving around, like just floor-to-ceiling junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the home was, it was disgusting. And when they went upstairs, they at first didn't even realize there was an upstairs bathroom because there was so much shit everywhere. But when they did go in there, the entire bathroom was filthy. You couldn't, like, you couldn't see the sink. You can't see the toilet. I'll, again, show you pictures of this mess. However, the bathtub was so clean that you could oh, get out of it. Conveniently. It was, it stood out to police because it was so out of place in an apartment yeah. that was fit for an episode of Hoarders. 
So. Wow. And they're raising a baby in that hellhole? No. Now, and I didn't hear a lot about the baby in other podcasts because I've heard other podcasts about this. So I was like, maybe nobody talked about the baby because they are still looking for it in that pile of junk. Oh, like, no. Just kidding. I know that's not true. But so they also um, somehow found receipts buried in all of this crap. Um, one for a power saw and another for cleaning supplies. Mm. Because they're so smart, they kept their receipts. Just mm-hmm. in case they wanted to return these things later. Keep track for taxes. Yeah. So when Nathan and Shauna were arrested, Nathan immediately confessed to his crime, insisting that the murder was committed by only him and that Shauna had nothing to do with it. Oh, wow. He told police that on the morning of February 19th, he had gone to his mother's house with the intention of scaring Becky this is his story. I don't believe one single word that comes out of his mouth, just so you know. Well, and like, who's just like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to waste a whole day and go scare my little sister. Yeah. So on February 19th, he said he had gone over there with the intention of scaring Becky into treating his mother better. Oh, what? Yeah. So he thought that Becky was like a rude little bitch who, like, was really disrespectful and because, like, um, Angie would have a hard time, like, getting around the house and Becky would just, like, leave shit everywhere that she could trip on. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to go teach her a lesson. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get a kidnap kid together. I'm going to put on a mask. I'm going to kidnap her, take her to the woods, tie her to a tree, tell her to be nice to my mom, and then I'm going to let her go. And then Yeah, what a great fucking plan. <laughs> right? Like, oh. what? What? Like, Who get fucked. That shit? Yeah. Get fucked, Nathan. Like, I don't... I probably can't... Well, <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then the plan all went awry, he said, when his mask slipped off. I'm sorry, was the mask really concealing your identity after you used your house key to get in and brought <laughs> your, your baby over to your mother's house where her auntie is upstairs? I don't... <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't. Like, I don't think that sh- you were fooling anyone, mask or not. No. Like, no. Again, get fucked, you idiot. So, what? Oh, I'm saying stupid dick. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the plan went awry when his mask li- slipped off. And he accidentally strangled Becky there in the hallway. Excuse me while I accidentally strangle somebody? Yeah. I don't think so. It was an accident. He doesn't know how it happened. Slipped and, whoops, strangled her. Oh. He put Becky's body in the bag that he had brought with him to take her out to the woods mm-hmm. and then put her in the trunk of his car. So, also, this all happened in about the 10, 15 minutes that Shauna was in the backyard with their daughter having a cigarette. Wow. She had, she had no idea. So the next day, Nathan went to the B&Q store, which is kind of like a Home Depot in the UK, and he bought the power saw, and he waited until Shauna went to bed, and he dismembered Becky in the bathroom of their house. Because she wouldn't be suspicious of a noise. She uh, slept through it. Slept through oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. Shauna's interviews were really strange as well. Um, she was really composed during her interviews. Okay. Um, no idea what's going she had on. No idea what was going on. She gave consistent stories every time. So every time her stories never changed. This is what happened. This is what we did. This is when we heard the door slam. This is what I know. It was almost too consistent, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like she had rehearsed, rehearsed. it. <laughs> yeah. Slightly. Um they weren't buying the story that Shauna had nothing to do with this crime and eventually 
Shauna's charges of perverting the course of justice would be updated to murder. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it turns out, the illegal stun guns that Nathan had in his kidnap kit were actually purchased by Shauna. Oh, and wow. not only that, Shauna's DNA was found on one of the masks that was in the shed where Becky's bodies were found. Oh, wow. Or sorry, where Becky's remains were found. Sorry. Right. So she was a full accomplice. Oh, yeah. According to DNA. She, not so much. Shauna and Nathan had also sent a series of really disturbing text messages to one another, which basically outlined uh, their interest in kidnapping a teenage girl to use as a sex slave. Stop it right now. So one of the messages exchanges went as followed. Just went to Costcutter and saw a pretty petite girl. Almost knocked her out to bring her home. LOL XOXO. To which Nathan replied, don't you almost me. Now do it, you bitch. XXXX. LOL XOXO. Like I. And Shauna said, yeah, I'll just go back in time to when I saw her and time travel her to our attic. Uh, Cool. I mean, I do appreciate a good sarcasm, but however. Well, and that's what she said. She did tell investigators these were sarcastic remarks that none of these were serious they were all sarcastic but there was that's just one exchange there were many others and there was also evidence that they had tried to lure a 16 year old girl to their place off of facebook as well Ew. so so yeah so investigation uh, sorry investigators were beginning to think that the couple shared uh you know some pretty sick fantasies of kidnapping and insulting assaulting teenage girls and perhaps that may have pointed to a actual motive as to why Nathan had tried to kidnap Becky. Um, CCTV footage also showed the pair shopping together the day after Becky's appearance. So Shauna was there buying the power saw, buying mm-hmm. the cleaning supplies, buying the garbage bags. Um, and they also found like a lot of dist- disturbing porn that featured like clearly like 18 and over girls, but they were all dressed like teenagers and they were being mm-hmm. raped and tortured in the videos. Um, and then Shauna also, the day that Becky went missing, had searched on YouTube for a video called, do you want to remember a a body almost called, do you want to hide a body? A parody of the song. Do you want to build a snowman from frozen? You were were very close. And she had told police that this was Nathan was feeling really down that night. She had no idea about the murder. He was feeling really down that night and she just wanted to cheer him up. She thought it was a funny song. And I thought this is the perfect song to cheer him up. And she had no idea about the murder at this point, she says. Unreal. I'm calling BS. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Wow. So there were also four other suspects who were arrested in relation to Becky's murder. They were Carl Demetrius and his girlfriend, Jadine Parsons. They were the owners of the shed where Becky. Uh, Becky's body parts had been found Um, and they did admit to uh, assisting an offender but denied that they had any idea of what they were putting in their shed that night well yeah like I'm sure Nathan's probably like hey buddy can I store this shit in your shed and can you help me move it and they're like yeah but like it's exactly what he did and not only that but he had offered them 10,000 pounds to store the packages and told them don't ever look at them please don't ever look at here's 10,000 pounds don't ever look inside um, and Carl and his girlfriend thought that it was probably, like, drugs or stolen property, but they were, like, whatever, 10,000 pounds. No, I'm 100% looking. Once, you're, once you've are once you left, like, I'm looking. You, you still would look? 
Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? And you then tell me the- I can't look and you're giving me that amount of money? Like, I'm looking. Yeah, so he's lucky you didn't take them for him because he would have been in jail much sooner. Yeah. Um, so the other two men that were arrested were Donovan Demetrius, who was Carl's brother, and another friend named James Ireland. They denied all charges against them, and I think they were eventually acquitted. Um, they were just, I think, kind of assisted in helping to move the packages that Nathan had. They were, again, they had no idea. And I actually believe that these people had no idea what was mm-hmm. being put in their shed. So, Oh, for sure. Now, yeah. I'm, 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 I think Carl and Jadine actually were given a sentence for taking on taking the packages but they were short like maybe like a year like lesson learn maybe yeah look. yeah know so, what's in your head <laughs> yeah so on october 6 2015 the trials of nathan and nathan matthews and shauna Hoare began the galsworthy clan were there every day and listened to all the gruesome details of the crime now angie couldn't come every day just with her MS and she was in pain a lot, but she did try to come as much as she could. Um, But Darren was always accompanied by his siblings um, or some member of his family. And Danny was there as much as he could as well. Becky's brother. Mm -hmm. They, uh, the police had like kept a lot of the specifics of the case really close to the vest up until the trial. They didn't want to compromise anything by telling Angie and, and Darren or anyone for that matter, a lot of the details of this. Um, so there was going to be a lot of disturbing things said that Darren and Angie would be hearing for the first time, like how Becky was murdered, what, you know, the things about the porn and the the text messages between Shauna and Nathan. So, yeah. uh, Darren tried to keep, like, he kept his eyes glued on Nathan, um, as much as he could. And Nathan never once looked at his family. So. Coward. Coward. In fact, he didn't even talk to his mother since he, like, he hadn't talked to her at all since he'd been arrested. Um, and the closest form of communication that he had was in the form of a letter, which I will read to you now. Ooh. It says, hello, mom. I was told you wanted to ask me a question of why. And I know you were going to be very compute, confused amongst other things. Sorry, but I have been advised not to talk about my case at the moment, as what I can say can be misinterpreted. But I hope you can find some some, even if it is a minuscule amount of resolution slash help by me explaining to you that what has happened was not meant to. And of course it's riddled with spelling mistakes. Yeah. Um, not even an apology for destroying the family. Nothing. Not Um, like no apology for murdering his sister. Or just even like the, you know, the anguish he's put his mom through, even if he's not sorry for murdering Becky, at least apologize for hurting your mother so much. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. He's such a dick. Throughout the trial, Nathan and Shauna both stuck to their stories. So Shauna saying she had nothing to do with it. She had no idea it was happening. And Nathan saying this is what, you know, it was supposed to be uh, a prank or, you know, I wanted to scare her and it was an accident. I strangled her by mistake. Yeah. Um, so fucking powerful that I strangled someone by mistake. Yeah. But ultimately, they were both convicted. So Nathan was convicted of first-degree murder and was sentenced to 33 years in prison. While Shauna was acquitted of murder, she was acquitted of murder, but she was uh, convicted of manslaughter and given 17 years. So this is fucked up. She'll be 38 when she's released. It And oh. that's only if she serves her whole sentence. Um, she could be released in half the time if she has good behavior. Wow. So she, so she could be released away. even this year. Yeah. So she can go and live her 
the rest of her life, no problem. Yeah. Didn't just kill anybody. Like, yeah. No oh. So I don't think she will be released until her 17 years is up, but... Yeah, 38, that's only a year older than me. Look at yeah. me. Like, I'm still living my best damn life. You all still got the rest of your... The best part of your life coming. Yeah, exactly. So these are just some extra little, like, random details that I didn't include in the bulk of this, but um, some of the cleaning supplies that they actually bought... Um, to clean up after themselves at, at this crime was drain cleaner. And Nathan said he bought that because he thought you could just dis- dissolve the whole body in drain cleaner. Cause he saw it on CSI. Oh, I was going to say breaking bad or some shit like that. Are you kidding? Yeah. He's an idiot. Um, and also while in prison, Nathan apparently had hot butter thrown at him. Hot butter. Hot butter. Sounds like that would really hurt. Yeah, that would good. And then, and then be delicious. It would create an emotional paradigm. <laughs> for anyone um and shauna has been beaten so badly in prison that she's needed to be resuscitated twice good and you know what i feel like if they found out they were also like into pedophiles kids. yeah yeah um so angie has still never seen her son in prison although someday she hopes to so that she can get some answers for darren about why this happened and Yes, everyone will be happy to know that through everything that's happened, Darren and Angie are still happily in love. I, you know, if there's like some beautiful ending, then that's it. Like, I'm glad that, yeah, that they're still thriving as a couple. It shows that true love can conquer all. Like, yeah, I'm just so sad that such a tragic event had to happen to such a beautiful couple and family. Well, and one thing that Darren has said, especially when it comes to his relationship with Angie, is that there's not really anyone else in the world anyways that can really understand the pain that he's been through, except for yeah. her. So, and he Tanya and all this? So was. Tanya was around. Tanya was there for, for everything. Um, she was involved. Like I said, Danny was living with her. So, um, yeah, she was involved. She There wasn't much information on her that I could find, but she was around. She went to... to the court during the trial she did come and see becky like you know how i told you they went to the Mm -hmm. the morgue and saw becky's body she did have her chance to go and say goodbye and um her mother pat was actually really involved in a lot of the searches and stuff like that as well so um they were around they just weren't i think they stayed out of the press darren really took to the press a lot i think he really wanted um becky's story out there Mm -hmm. and it was um especially writing the book he said it was his really good therapy for him you know I bet. Um, to help release to you know like instead of going to the bottle like he had started he didn't notice he was starting to drink a lot more just mm-hmm. dealing with his grief that this that writing the book talking to the press getting Becky's story out there um really helped him deal with his feelings in a more positive um productive and constructive way right so like even the way he deals with grief is yeah. beautiful like this yeah. man the self-awareness like I just I'm so mad and sad that this happened to him. And to Angie and just to everyone. Like, you know, Um, and I just wanted to point one other thing out, too, that's really sad is that February 19th, on the day that Becky went missing, that was Danny's birthday. Oh, come on. And I think it was his 20th birthday. So it's really sad for Danny. Nathan's just like an all around dick. Yeah. Let me give a bad memory for this birthday for the rest of your so, life oh. i did see like an interview with danny that he said that instead of going out and celebrating his birthday every year because it's so painful for him he takes it as an opportunity to celebrate his sister's life and like oh. 
uh, remember her. The family is like amazing. Like, I don't, I don't really quite understand what happened to Nathan, but Danny's great. Darren, Angie, like they're just amazing. So, well, you know what? I bet you Nathan was attracted to Becky, and because it wasn't his like biological sister, he but still sister, he couldn't act on this stuff and had to get rid of her. Yeah, I, you know, like I, th- I really thought about this because I. He says this thing about the fake kidnapping, and then there's the thing about the, you know, like like you said, being attracted to teenagers. And, like, he's never admitted to that, obviously. He said that that absolutely had nothing to do with it. This was the plan. Shauna had nothing to do with it, whatever. But, like, really, what – if he wanted to take her back to use as a sex slave, for instance, yeah. why, did, why did he murder her? Ugh. Right? So I'm well, like, what is the so point? Strong. He doesn't know his own strength and accidentally. Yeah. But I don't still, know. Like, he just... And you know what? I'm also really concerned about those four 12-year-olds in his car. Like, where are they today? <laughs> and are they safe and sound? I think they're safe and sound. I would imagine we would have heard something. Or there might be more information that there isn't any. I mean, I hope they are safe and sound. I think they are. I'm choosing to believe they are. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I've been racking my brain. It's something I've been thinking about just like, why, why murder her? Mm-hmm. Right. So I just don't understand. Cause there was no evidence that he even tried to rape her or anything like that. Like it just, thank goodness. Yeah. But straight to murder. So it's just so, it just baffles my brain there. It seems to be, a, there's no clear actual motive. Right. So aside from uh-huh. he just was annoyed with her. But anyways, that is the story of Bristol's angel, Becky Watts. What a Her amazing family. Um, Guys, I can't recommend more the book, um, The Evil Within by Darren Galsworthy. That's where like 90%, 98% of my research came from is that book. I will link it in the show notes, but everybody should go and read that because it's wonderful. Um, it's a sad story, but it's wonderfully written. And I really love the perspective coming from Becky's dad. Yeah. Um, you can also go to YouTube. I'll, I'll link, um, the, the links to the videos of Shauna and Nathan's, um, interrogations or interviews with police. Mm. Um, cause Shauna's are really interesting. Like the way she's giggling and talking, it's just, wow. Wow. Like, who is this monster like to be so composed, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I'll post links to that and I'll post links to my other sources in there as well. And yeah. I just want to give a quick shout out before we go, Rachel, to a couple <laughs> of people. All right. Uh, I just want to say thank you to two people. Do you think your sister will care? No, not at all. Um, sure. So I just want to say thank you to Caitlin and... Ah! Um, another listener, a friend, Stephanie, for sending me an email finally. Yay! <laughs> Erica finally got her emails. We're so excited. Something other than spam and TikTok yeah. telling me I had one like. <laughs> wow. So awesome. thank you for listening, you guys. I really, we really appreciate it. Um, we hope you like this story. And... Yeah, what a story, Erica. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.